Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mind the Gap, Enablix's only podcast about sales and marketing alignment. I'm your host, Nick Zeke Lopez, and today I'm joined by Andrew Gray. Andrew, how's it going? It's good, Nick. It is good. How are you? I'm, do- I'm doing well. Uh, right before we hit record on this, Andrew was talking about how he just gave his puppy an, an ice cream lunch to stay down. So I think we have the 20 to 30 minutes we'll need. Was it ice cream or frozen? What was it? So we, we get frozen, like it's uh it's like a wet dog food. We get this frozen food, we put it in this little cup and uh, we'll freeze it, put a little like treat on top. And it's normal, it's kind of like a puzzle. It takes her probably 15, 20 minutes to eat it. And because she's yeah. she's eating, using her brain at the same time, she normally goes down for a pretty hard nap afterwards. All right, and that's better than just freezing the dog food in the can and then the can is the puzzle. Yeah, I don't know if I'd recommend that. You might get some sharp things on the dog. So, yeah, no, I heard dogs like that. No, no. Um, so, so Andrew, we know you're a dog lover. Um, what else can you tell us? Tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, so I'm a lover of life in general. I guess you could say I often consider myself a uh, kindred nomad spirit. Uh, if you are not familiar with digital nomad communities, it's probably made a staple of who I am. Is working with with digital nomads and getting to travel and you know see the world, learn from different cultures. I consider myself a lifelong learner. And that's probably what led me to enablement ultimately. That That is pretty cool. Um, and we got to talk about that later because I'm considering working from another country for a few months this year. Um, do it. Uh, Don't consider <laughs> it. Just do it. Um, so so An- Andrew, tell us, what do you do? Where do you work? So currently, I am the director of sales enablement at an AI company called Samba Nova Systems, where we are enabling the enterprise artificial intelligence today. And super exciting, great opportunity to be with. The company is doing a lot of very innovative things in the market. I'm just happy to be you know, along the journey with the, the organization and help build out this, this team from the ground up. And you, you were the director of sales enablement. What's been your road to enablement? Did you come to enablement? Have you always been in enablement? Have you been from sales? What was that like for you? It's interesting. I don't have, I guess, the most straightforward path. I've gone through a, you know, a couple different motions in my career from being a retail sales associate at T-Mobile, uh, being a field sales manager with a massive OEM phone provider, small company. You may have heard of them. It's called Samsung. Uh, back in, uh, back in the day, there was an, an incident that made me decide maybe I should switch over to the home appliance side. Cause it felt a little safer at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, what was that the, was that the release of the iPhone? Was that the, no, no, no. <laughs> no at, at Samsung, we had the saying of, uh, of loved opponent. And, you know, I, I honestly loved every time new iPhones came out because it just drove the innovation at Samsung to keep going. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I jumped over to the home appliance side to be a national trainer. And that's what entered into my enablement background, I guess you could say. I've been very historic sales until then and got into the national training side. I loved being on stage. I loved, you know, just helping other people. But ultimately, I found my intrinsic motivation factor there, which is seeing other people be successful and playing a part in that. You know, I had a really good leader. His name is Jonathan Cooper. And I think, I think he's still at an OEM phone provider, but uh, awesome leader. He, he set me aside and he said, you know, Andrew, you, you are hitting on all cylinders. You're doing the job really well. What do you want to do in your career? And at the time, I, I didn't know the answer to it. All I could think of was, well, being a sales manager, I'll make good money. 
And his, his response to me was, look, money will come and go, but find what intrinsically motivates you. What makes you happy? And he kind of put me on a path, let me play around, do some stuff. And, you know, we came to the table and decided that was probably training. And he was right. You know, it's, it's honestly what keeps me going. And if you focus on your top line, your bottom line will follow. And this career path is no different. You know, it's interesting the way you, you, you say that, because you said that, that what you like is to see other be, people be successful. And previously you've told me that, that you think that sales enablement, the term might be missing what you need to do. And it's more about sales empowerment. Can you tell me a little bit about how you see enablement versus empowerment? What's the same? What's different? Yeah, it's a great question. And uh, probably one of my passion topics on this one, because you see sales enablement everywhere. You know, it's, it's ever present. Mm -hmm. But if you go look, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years ago, it wasn't a broad term back then. And now you're starting to see, it, especially in SaaS organizations, software, just technology in general, you see this term sales enablement. And you get a lot of people who gravitate towards this as a function, but it's it's much deeper than that. You know, sales enablement isn't just training. And I think a lot of people who who look at this as a function don't realize that. And that's kind of where my passion starts is enablement. You know, I, I used to work with a guy. He had an awesome way of putting this. Sales enablement is the mortar between the bricks of an organization. You know, we work with product managers, product marketing, sales leaders, demand generation, uh, customer success, customer support, legal teams. You know, we, we work very cross collaboratively to essentially learn what does it take to achieve revenue at this business and how do we empower people with that information to remove roadblocks for them? So I, you know, honestly, I love the term of just revenue enablement. And then what I typically like to say is my job is to empower revenue wherever it may hide whether that's on customer retain, whether that's on the partner side, whether that's on internal sales side, if, if there's a role to be played for revenue in our business, my job is to make sure it's either streamlined, maximized, delegated, or minimized. That, that last part sounds like, uh, you, you've thought through it. Um, but, but no, no, I, I, I like that. And, and so that kind of leads me to my next question of how, how do you see enablement or empowerment as different from sales itself? Um, how, how do you draw the line there? Because it sounds like what you're saying is you're optimizing revenue. That sounds like sales. Where, where do you see the difference? The difference really comes down to being customer facing and carrying a quota or not, you know, and a lot of sales enablers, I think the reason a lot of enablement efforts may land short is because you have to look at enablement as have you carried a bag? Do you understand what it means to carry a bag? You know, do you just have an operational viewpoint of this or are you thinking about it? Enablement, you have to put yourself in the shoes of the people you're building programs for. If it's for partners, you know, have you looked at the partner selling motions, what they're going through and thought about what it means to sit in their call center or at their agency to understand what they're going through and what they need? Have you, you know, looked at account executives or sales executives and said, okay, what is it like to be a road warrior? with my bag in the back seat, you know, driving from office to office, trying to do these meetings or waiting in a lobby for 10, you know, 10, 15 hours just to offer someone a cup of coffee or right up on an elevator, you know, the elevator pitch, it comes from ele the elevator pitch is called that because of the old school stock exchange, you know, people would wait in the lobby and ride up the elevator with these investors and give their pitch to them. That's where the term elevator pitch came from, right? So mm -hmm. are you building programs that empower that? And that's really the difference. You know, sales enablement is not just training. 
it's changing the culture of knowledge in an organization to know it's it's maybe it's assets, maybe it's helping understand cadences and flows. Maybe it's optimizing a sales process where I'm not responsible for a sales process. I work very collaboratively with my sales operations counterparts, marketing operations, huge collaboration, understanding that lead to cash process, then optimizing it so the sales team understands these different motions, these milestones, the flow of the whole process, so to say, and that they know exactly what it takes to get a customer from clicking a link on a website to actually purchasing and converting to a long-term customer for us. And that's, that's mm -hmm. enablement. It's not just training a salesperson to get them right now information. It's whether it's, you know, sales knowledge, sales tool sets, uh, sales skill sets. It's going across these spectrums and making sure the sales team has what they need to obtain that revenue. So that leads me to the question, because I think that what, I think what, what you laid out there makes sense to me. Maybe you like sales, you like the idea of sales, but are you the kind of person that wants to carry a bag and have a quota? Or are you the kind of person that is process-minded and you'd rather at this point help enable and empower others? The one- Great question. And well, the question to me is, how can you do one well without the other? Like, can, can enablement be firing on all cylinders and reps missing quota? Or as enablement, are you tied to the success of the reps that you are empowering? It's a good question. It's pretty broad because um, I think there's a number of ways you can look at it, right? When you look at enablement programs and quota attainment, you kind of think of it like a bell curve, right? You want to focus on the enablement efforts of this, this middle performer because you want to pull those middle performers up. Mm -hmm. And then you have to be able to identify, you know, whether it's low performers and you got to coach those people up to bring them along with you. It's all about, you know, finding out how we can move that, that mass further up and to the right of quota attainment. Now, if, if enablement is firing on all cylinders and we're still missing quota attainment, you have to start looking deeper, which is where the collaboration comes from sales enablement, because then it goes to accountability factors. You know, you have to have your inspection points and your inspection tree. Are people taking the courses just because enablement's producing them? A huge part about this is adoption. Just because we produce it doesn't mean that someone's going to get value out of it unless it met them where they're at where they're living and where they're breathing. And if they don't perceive value in it and they're not going to adopt it, then obviously that's a shift on enablement. And if enablement, you know, you go through the shift and you think like, Hey, this course is the bee's knees. I've got top performers who are taking it and they're, you know, they're loving it. I've got mid performers who are hit and miss. They're not going all the way through it. Then you have to partner with sales leaders and hold people accountable to it and say, Hey, these are the metrics we want to get. Not as a, you know, not as an I got you metric or, you know, to wave the stick at them and threaten, but just to say, hey, we want to bring you along with us. Like mm. you're leaving money on the table, man. How do you not leave money on the table? That's what these programs are for. Right. right. You know, and that reminds me, something we were talking about before we recorded was was your upcoming, you know, like a, like a sales kickoff or a sales summit mm -hmm. or something like that. And I think what you just said can be perfectly applied. You can have a huge sales kickoff. You can you could blow out the money on renting out the, the Ramada Inn or whatever you do. I don't know. You can have big presentations. And if, if sales doesn't take away something from it, what was it really for? Right? Like that's just like, and that's just one instance of, hey, mm -hmm. enablement did something, but did it really help? This is, again, you're hitting on some passion topics for me <laughs> because I think a lot of executive teams especially in, in a COVID world, right? You know, we're getting back to in-person events for the first time in a couple of years. 
and executives are looking at this and going, what's the ROI? What is my return on investment behind doing a sales kickoff? Three years ago, it's it's a no-brainer. Yeah, we have to have a sales kickoff. It's approved. Go for it. Now it's looked at a little bit more under the microscope. Do we have to bring all these people in? You know, what role do they critically play to to revenue attainment? Uh, do we want to spend all this money on these things? And I think sales kickoff again. How do you think about it in ways that you get value? The first thing you always need to do, in my opinion, is do a pre-survey. You know, what do the people want to see out of a sales kickoff? Before you go plan an agenda, one of my cardinal rules of enablement, no ivory tower enablement. Find out what is going on at the field level, survey them, talk to them. You know, I had some advice a, a couple of years ago, someone gave me, I said, Andrew, let me give you the best. Here's, here's your sales enablement TED talk. You ready? I said, okay. He said, go talk to your customers. And I was like, my customers is in. He's like, no, who do you, who is your customer? I said, the sales team. He said, go talk to them and talk to them every day. Best advice, the sales kickoff, you're planning it, find out what the team needs. What do they feel? What's going on? And sometimes the sales kickoff may just be in alignment, right? It's mm -hmm. the camaraderie, the best kickoffs I've ever been to are ones where I left and I was like, I feel connected to this business. You know, and it's, I may only get to see this colleague once a year because they're in Australia. But that is one of the best relationships I have because we shared, you know, beers on a rooftop bar in San Diego two years ago. Yeah. I, uh, I, which by the way, I would love to hear the full Andrew Gray Ted talk. I feel like it's going <laughs> to hit on a lot of different issues that I'd love to hear about. Uh, uh, but, but you're right. I, I think that the, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll send you it. I might, I might even put it in the, the episode notes of this one, but, but we talked about what I say. The first step is exact is, is find your why. I think, I think because like you said, so many, so, so often we're used to doing things together in the same place with the shift mm -hmm. to digital came the shift to remote, which means doing things together might be more expensive, might be more time intensive. So just getting people together to get them together is like you, it's more expensive and, mm -hmm. and maybe that's still worth it, but you have to know why you're doing it. And I think that so much of not just sales, but, but a lot of things is just doing things to do them. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I feel that something that enablement can do really well or empowerment or whatever that is, is, is question what is the benefit of doing these things with the sales team, with the marketing team, just, just really find why are we doing each thing we're doing and then take that why and maximize it. That's it. You know, the, uh, there's a, there's a small remote Island off of Japan and they have this saying called an Ikigai and an Ikigai is it most simplistically it's the purpose for being. And it's, you know, the Simon Sinek, find your why, right? This, mm -hmm. this statement of an Ikigai, what is your why? You know, no matter if it's a program, if it's a career move, whatever it may be, you have to understand what's in it for you, but ultimately what's in it for us. You know, the WIFU, you have to establish that. If we're going to spend money on something, or if I'm going to make a calculated risk in my career, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. Ultimately, like, you know, is it a benefit to life of itself? Have you ever been to Japan? Not yet. You know, it is it is a bucket list item for me. I was talking to uh, my leader as I joined this organization and and uh, we were talking about some of our Japanese team and building that function out. And I was like, yeah, I haven't been to Japan. I really want to get out there. I'm really excited to get there one day. Uh, have not been to Japan yet, though. All the all of a sudden, you see all these like uh, like three times yearly sales kickoffs in Japan pop up. Be like, wait, what's he? <laughs> 
No. Like, oh, sneaky, sneaky. <laughs> exactly. You're like, no, we, we, it's on this, it's on this island off the coast. It's going to teach us about that. No, um, no, no. I, I, and so I want to take a step back because you talked about your uh, journey coming from literal sales person, maybe traveling all the way, finding your way into enablement and now embracing it and going into empowerment and, and finding revenue where it may be. I think this is, you know, we brought it up earlier how some people would rather carry a quota, you know, live mm -hmm. and die, higher highs, lower lows. Some people I think are more process minded at this point in their life and want to, to help run the process. Can you give mm -hmm. any tips for people out there that, that might be listening on how to go from sales to enablement, whatever that means? Yeah. It, you know, it's, it, it's a really fun topic to discuss. If you're an enabler, find out, you know, the best enablers you can hire are the ones who've been selling at your company. And if you can get them promoted up into enablement to work with you to, to achieve better results than you thought possible, that's the way to do it. If you are currently in a selling role and you're holding a quota and maybe, you know, there's different reasons people leave sales, whether it's the stress of it, because it is one of the most stressful jobs on the planet. Selling is not easy. You know, being a salesperson, a lot of people get a hard time for it, but sales are not easy. Being able to navigate complex organization challenges, political landscape on the buying cycle, there's a lot of things to do, a lot to keep up with. If you're interested in leaving sales, you know, talk to your enablement team. Talk to your training team, talk to some of your corporate team. And I'm a firm believer the best enablement strategies are very collaborative. You know, there's an opportunity for you to go mentor other people. 70% uh, of our training comes from on the job learning. You know, no matter how much program we put, how many, you know, training protocols we put in place, 70% of your skill set comes from on the job experience. And the best sales you know, salespeople know that and they collaborate with other people who are going to elevate that experience. So start with enablement there. If you want to jump into it, start mentoring, you know, you, leadership enablement. It's, it's not a title. Mm -hmm. It's an action. It's a thought. It's, it's how you treat yourself and your colleagues. You know, there's I, nothing that stops you from being a mentor. I'll hit you with a quote. Leadership comes from passion, not position. That's it. I have no idea. It was on the back of a shirt I had in college, but that's exactly, <laughs> it's exactly what you're saying. You can, you can enable. And then, and then the, the title change or whatever you, the official job change comes over time. That's it. You focus on your top line, your bottom line will follow. And then that, that makes me think of, you know, I, I I'm sure say, you know, revenue enablement, it's taking the world by storm, mm -hmm. but something like, what is it like at least a third of mid-sized enterprise companies don't have an official revenue enablement, uh, department or organization. And so it feels like if you, if you're in a situation where you feel like as a rep, things could be better and mm -hmm. there's no, it's no one's job to make things better. That could be your job. You know, I, th I think we, we're seeing it happen a lot in product marketing. People look around and be like, I think what we need is product marketing. And I think I can do it. Um, and, and I think the same thing happens in sales enablement of, I think it should be someone's job to focus on the, the cracks, uh, where the mortar should go. And I think I can be that. Yep. And it's true, you know, and it, ironically, it's actually how I fell into sales enablement. In my last role, I was, I got brought on to be a product enablement manager. You know, we had multiple suites of products that had just come out. My original job description was to build programs for these individual line products. And uh, our director, when I started the director of sales enablement, he went to another opportunity, which was fantastic for him. He's doing great things now. But this was at the start of the pandemic, like literally the week of lockdown is when our director left. Yeah. 
and the fallout of that, it was kind of like, well, there's this massive void. And I said, look, you know, I, it, it sales enablement, it sales enablement, it, it, we can, you know, transform morph and like, Hey, we can handle this. We don't need to hire another director in right now. Let's get this up and running. And I had a technical counterpart in Australia. Honestly, like a lot of what we did, I could not have done without him. But we built this grassroots from the ground up enablement programs at that organization because we saw the opportunity and need to happen. And, you know, we just got to work and made it happen. And then afterwards, they were like, hey, yeah, you're the manager of sales enablement now. And, you know, we're going to invest in all this stuff. And we were like, okay, cool. Like, let's keep going. You know, there's there's two of us. How can we force multiply it? Well, two becomes four, four becomes, you know, eight, eight becomes 16. And let's see where this program goes. Right. But it's, it's starting at that ground level and understanding what are the, the deltas in the business and how can you, if you see these things happening, right, you don't have to have formal approval to, for someone to say, Hey, go, you know, go forward and do this. If you see some, some deltas in the business, you want to enter into enablement, just say, Hey, I've got this idea uh, as, as you know, our current, current organization, our CEO thesis and signals. I have this thesis that if we do these things, it will improve these areas. Here are the signals I'm looking at to prove that out. Go execute it. You know, I, th I think that might be the the title of this podcast of this episode: "Do the job, then get the job." Uh, uh, how to grow an enablement with Andrew Gray. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, no, but I mean, I mean, it's it's one of the I, not one of the few places, but it it feels like there's so much opportunity in that mm -hmm. area and that space. And as we we're coming to a close here, and and we're running out of time, I, I'm I'm interested. You know, in your mind, I, I think the last five years of enablement have, it's been a different world. And I'm very sure that mm -hmm. the pandemic added to that. Like, I'm very sure, but, but it, it feels now like there's so much growth there. When you look ahead for the next five years of sales enablement or revenue enablement, what are some things you, you, you think will start to see either small things that'll become trends or things that we're not even seeing now that will start to pop up? I think in sales enablement, you're going to start seeing micro functions form more clearly whether it's, you know, sales enablement specifically for an audience type like SDR enablement connected to a broader, broader strategy, not just SDR training, but SDR enablement, you're going to see these programs and these teams kind of build out and in, enlarge. In, in uh, I think another trend that we might be starting to see in sales enablement is we're going to start seeing it more closely tied to revenue performance. Yeah. But right now it's a lot of it's tied to kind of training and like, I don't, I don't track hours. I don't track number of hours that we want reps to train on. I think it's an arbitrary number. I look at the, you know, what are the metrics that get us our results as a business? And then let's look at, you know, to the right, the signals that incorporate into that. I don't track the number of hours trained. You know, we, we hire adults, we train adults, we work with adults. They can do that. Right. And I think you're going to start seeing a lot more of enablement tied to revenue performance of organizations. I think you're going to start seeing enablement more ingrained into a cross collaboration where, you know, it's going to shift. I last couple of years, I started to see this shift where it's heavily focused and starting to report into product. Um, right now there's kind of three main lines enablement reports to it's either a CRO, a CMO, or some kind of, you know, CPO chief product officer. Um, I think we're going to see those lines start to, to formalize a little bit more where we're going to see it to where, Hey, you know, a lot of the path leads here, a CRO is a good path for enablement to report into, but we're starting to see this paradigm shift into product, which I personally think is great because you're a level disconnected from the sales side, you're connected into the product side. So you have, you know, your peers or product managers, 
the ones who are actually writing the things that, you know, the organization is producing. I think that's maybe a trend we start seeing. Uh, I know I might get some, some nasty end mails on that one. Cause people will say, no, it needs to belong to the CRO. Hey, can I, can I it, hit you with a weird one? Yeah, I think, I, I think, uh, HR. I think. As, oh no! As, oh no! No! Because like, no. what's gonna? Ha- yeah. So so yeah. Here's the here's the nasty email. I think what when we talk about it from that perspective, and this is you know when we talk about like oh things that could happen, I think that you know oh we have SDR enablement, AAE enablement, and CS enablement, and so it's like it almost becomes enablement becomes this horizontal thing of like well what if there are performers and then people that make people better, and what organization you could okay maybe operations. But what organization nope. sits outside of other operations? Um, because then you, there's, there's, uh, you know, it, unless we're willing to say that enablement is specifically only applies to revenue facing roles, in which mm-hmm. case I say maybe that doesn't apply. But I don't know if I buy that. And, you know, it's funny because I, I've had this conversation with a couple of people. You know, does enablement belong to operations? I'm like, hey, uh, operations is a pillar. I can't do my job without a strong operational person sitting next to me. But if we report in the same place, now you're operationalizing everything in enablement and you, you, you focus less on programs that an actual salesperson needs and you've operationalized this thing, right? Well, and then if- this goes hand in hand with, and I, I should, should say the other part, talking with Aaron Saris a, a few weeks ago, she believes that and as enablement, your, your job, she, she kind of disagrees with revenue only because she's in a bigger organization where it's really mm. hard to tell why revenue is going up and down. But she said that you should be responsible for making the reps that you enable happy. So, so mm. she said now, now this gets weird. It could get weird and political, but she said things like a mixture of, are you hitting comprehension on tests? And are you rating pot? Are you, are you, are you saying, Hey, I'm happy with my enablement. And she said, well, if that happens, then what you just said can't happen because you have to make these people happy. You have to make them feel empowered and you can't sit like no ivory tower. You can't sit because your job depends on them feeling like they have what they need. It's complex, obviously. So not to, not to, you know, boast on some other, other content here that is not yours, but no, please do. For that conversation, I would refer someone, if you're looking at enablement, if you're looking at program metrics and measuring the Kirkpatrick model of evaluation, mm-hmm. there's four levels of evaluation where one is behavior. Do you, do, do you enjoy this program? But if you want to get to actual change, you have to hit, you know, to a level four. And yeah, the, the first, the first period, or, um, the first pillar is yes. Did they enjoy it? great. Now, did the enjoyment actually cause them to go do something and produce an action out of it? Did this action drive a change in behavior? Did this change in behavior drive a result? And that's ultimately enablement. You're looking for a change in behavior to drive results. Mm-hmm. If we're only scratching the surface on, hey, do you enjoy enablement? Like, I mean, not to be brash here, but my job is to drive an impact, not to make people like me. Now, Typically, I have to make people like me to yeah, drive that impact. Right. But at the same time, you know, don't just sell yourself short of that. I had a really good chat with uh, with one of our our directors a little bit earlier today. He said, hey, Andrew, you know, just be comfortable in your own skin. And he kind of gave me a checkup from the neck up because it, it, you know, enablement can be a grind too. not everybody's going to agree with what you have to put on the table. Not everybody's going to agree with your program. Sometimes they won't be fast enough. They won't be responsive enough. And, and you're going to take some hits, you know, it's not an easy job by any stretch of the imagination, but be comfortable in your own skin and have that confidence that, you know, 
you're doing the right thing, as you continue doing the right thing, the results will come. Uh, do you have anything you'd like to plug anything you'd like to, to, uh, show the people too, that, that you've, you're excited about right now. So, you know, as we kind of wrap this up, Nick, I just want to give a, a little bit of a shameless plug here, uh, at Samba Nova systems. I personally came here for the impact that it makes. I firmly believe that AI is the future. It was funny during my interviews, I kept getting asked, you know, why are you willing to make a change? And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm actually not looking for a job. Uh, but I, I can't say no to the future, which is artificial intelligence and, you know, shameless plug for my team here. There's a lot of really cool things happening. We talk about revenue enablement. We talk about increasing profitability, you know, maybe worth a conversation to look, are you, are you thinking about profitability and how you can be competitive in the marketplace? Not only today, but tomorrow, 10 years from now, by using artificial intelligence to help you achieve that. You know, are your teams thinking about this, whether it's understanding documentation, analyzing it or, you know, not replacing the human capital in your business, but augmenting those skill sets using artificial intelligence to help you achieve the future. You know, we have a saying at Salmonova here, AI is here, AI is now, and we're ready to go. So as you know, as you think about everything with sales enablement, make sure you're also thinking about the technology that's going to empower the future of things like sales enablement. You like marketing or, you know, like financial services or manufacturing, understanding, you know, de de uh, defect detection along the line, or as you're looking at oil and gas and, you know, how do we make sure we're getting things in an optimized, efficient way? Is your company thinking about these things right now? Because if you aren't, I promise you, your competitors likely are. <sighs> Chills. Chills. Uh, so, uh, uh, that, there was a lot that we covered, uh, enablement, empowerment, uh, the road to, uh, and the road from, uh, next episode, we will be recording, uh, Andrew's Ted talk. Uh, so get ready. This has been mind the gap, a podcast about sales and marketing alignment put on by enablers. My name is Nixie Lopez. Thanks for listening.